three fried egg sandwiches, a, chat, a stack of chocolate chip pancakes, a bowl of grips, a five egg omelet, French toast with powdered sugar, and a gallon of coffee, ice cream. Wow! Welcome to this episode of the Neuroepigenetics Class Podcast. Personalized nutrition, is it worth it? My name is Lauren Park. And I'm Danielle DeFranco. And you just heard a clip of Olympic gold medalist Michael Phelps describing one meal of his daily diet. Hey Lauren, guess how many calories Phelps eats in one day? I don't know. The daily recommended calorie intake for an adult man is around 2,000 calories, right? And he's an athlete, so maybe around 3,000? Good guess, but no. Phelps told ESPN that he eats between eight and 10,000 calories a day. Wow, so what he was saying in the clip was actually true? He really eats all of that just for breakfast? Yeah. The University of Pittsburgh Director of Sports Nutrition says this is possible for Phelps because of his 6'4", 190-pound build and the intense physical activity he does to train for races. So you're saying this diet wouldn't work for me? Probably not. It's important to take into account individual traits like lifestyle and body composition when making nutritional decisions in addition to a whole host of other social factors like working environment, access to food, and socioeconomic status. I see. So factoring all of these things into your diet sounds like personalizing your nutrition. How do I synthesize my own information in order to create a perfect diet? Now, I can't say that there is a perfect diet for everyone, but more and more research is being done to connect these factors to nutrition. Broadly speaking, it sounds like athletes will need to eat differently than non-athletes because of their differing amounts of physical activity. Can athletes who do the same sport eat similarly then? Not necessarily. For example, I like to weight train in the gym and there are a lot of dietary supplements like vitamins that are supposed to make this training easier and make your muscles stronger. However, research done by Dr. Mark Aratellis and colleagues show that if I take supplements that my body already has enough of, it won't help my training and could even hurt my progress. Some people naturally have higher levels of vitamins than others, so not all weightlifters would benefit from taking the same supplements. It's like filling a cup, where your body is the cup and vitamins are the water. If your cup is emptier than it should be, adding external vitamin supplements can help fill it up to baseline. But if your cup is already full, adding more water will just make it overflow and you'll have to clean up the unnecessary mess. Exactly. In a study done by Dr. Paskelis and colleagues, they tested subjects' athletic performance before and after giving them N-acetylcysteine, which is an antioxidant that improves respiration and decreases inflammation. They tested athletic performance by measuring the amount of power produced by stationary biking over a 15-minute trial. Subjects who were deficient in this antioxidant before the supplementation improved their performance after supplementation. However, subjects who already had enough of this antioxidant in their body did worse in their athletic performance after receiving N-acetylcysteine supplementation. So supplementation doesn't always help. It depends on what levels you already have in your body. But I've never heard of N-acetylcysteine. What about the antioxidants in more common foods like fruits and vegetables? Yeah, there are substances called polyphenols that are found in fruits, vegetables, grains, herbs, and spices. These polyphenols impact your health through epigenetic regulation. What do we mean when we say epigenetic regulation? Epigenetics can be translated to above genetics because it doesn't change the DNA sequence itself, but it does change which parts of the sequence are used to make proteins. Epigenetic regulation is done through proteins like DNA methyltransferases, microRNAs, and histone acetyltransferases and deacetylases. These are big words and concepts that just mean there could be different interpretations of a single DNA sequence. Correct. 
Curcumin is a polyphenol that comes from the spice turmeric. It can interact with the proteins you just described to impact the interpretation of DNA sequences in a way that could help sports performance. It targets epigenetic pathways that can reduce inflammation, specifically muscle fatigue, muscle soreness, and loss of muscle mass. So to all the athletes out there, if you know the activity you are doing will lead to inflammation and you are deficient in curcumin, you should prepare a delicious pre-workout meal that includes turmeric to see the most benefits. It can be beneficial to make a personalized nutrition plan that takes into account your nutrient deficiencies and the type of physical activity you do to get the most out of your athletic performance and diet. So we've been talking about athletes and athletic performance, but what if I'm not an athlete? Does any of this apply to me? Yes, it still does. There are benefits to taking supplements that go beyond just improved athletic performance. For example, if you are deficient in it, vitamin B12 supplementation may decrease the risk of developing certain diet-related diseases. So supplementing your diet with milk, eggs, fish, and meat because they contain vitamin B12 could help with this deficiency. Right. A 2018 study by Yadov's lab gave undernourished adolescents vitamin B12 to study the effect of vitamin B12 supplementation on DNA methylation for genes associated with type 2 diabetes. DNA methylation is when molecules bind to the strands of DNA and make it hard to access what is written on that DNA. They found that B12 leads to DNA methylation of MIR21, which is an RNA that silences genes associated with type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, obesity, insulin function, and glucose and lipid metabolism. Eating a bunch of dairy and meat won't cure you of these diseases, as this is only one of the factors we mentioned that can impact your health. This is a good point, especially since most people in Western society today are not undernourished and so are not deficient in B12 in the first place. But if you do happen to be deficient, there is a chance that personalizing your diet to include more B12 may decrease the risk of developing diseases. Just now, we were talking about the effects of diet on the epigenome. This concept is known as nutrigenomics, but it can also go the other way, where your individual genome can affect what nutrients are best absorbed by your body. This is known as nutrigenetics. One example of this is fatty acid consumption. We talked earlier about foods leading to DNA methylation, but people also have baseline differences in their levels of DNA methylation, which then changes how their body metabolizes compounds like saturated and polyunsaturated fatty acids. A study found that when they overfed the subjects either type of fatty acid, their baseline level of DNA methylation predicted how much weight they would gain, rather than the amount of fatty acid they consumed. Processed foods such as pastries, butter, and lunch meats contain saturated fatty acids, while natural oils derived from nuts, seeds, and fish contain polyunsaturated fatty acids. So my own epigenome can dictate how these foods will affect my body. But how can I learn about my genome and epigenome? There are lots of DNA tests available on the market for this very purpose. GenoPallet is one such test that analyzes a person's genetics and creates a personalized nutrition plan. Let's roll a clip from one of their ads. Gino Pallet uses your own DNA to find out what kind of food plan is best for your needs. When you know what you really need, it's easy to find the one that works for you. Gino Pallet, evidence-based nutrition personalized by your DNA. Hold up. Didn't we say that a personalized nutrition plan should take into account a ton of social and biological factors? How can one genetic test generate an entire personalized nutrition plan without any of this other information? That's a great question, and this is why the legitimacy of genetic testing is controversial. 
If you get a test result saying you should stop eating carbohydrates, you might panic. But don't change your whole diet just yet. The science shows that DNA testing is only reliably accurate for certain conditions, specifically only ones that are linked to variations in a single gene. For example, type 2 diabetes is a very complex disease that does not have one single cause and therefore does not fall under this category. However, something like a food allergy is linked to variation in one gene, and so a DNA test is more likely to be accurate in predicting this type of condition. Phenylketonuria, galactosemia, lactose intolerance, caffeine sensitivity, and alcohol sensitivity are also all caused by single gene variations. If a DNA test comes back positive for any of these, it might make sense to avoid these foods that are related to the conditions. Of course, you should also consult your doctor when dealing with diet-related conditions in order to create an optimal nutrition plan for you. Now I've heard it can be beneficial for your diet to include probiotics in the form of supplements or probiotic foods such as yogurt and kimchi. Is this because probiotics interact with my epigenome? Maybe, but the main reason people take probiotics is because they are said to improve the gut microbiome. The gut microbiome is a collection of bacteria, fungi, and viruses that live in the digestive tract to influence metabolism and is heavily shaped by genetics. Probiotics can help increase the number of good bacteria living in our bodies. So do we all have different gut microbiomes, just like how our epigenomes are different between individuals? Yes, we all have slightly different gut microbiomes, but some are made up of more similar groups of bacteria than others. These different types of the microbiome are called enterotypes and are named after the most common bacterial species in the gut. There are three types, Prevotella, which is P-type, Bacterioides, which is B-type, and Ruminococcus, though the first two types are the most common. A way to conceptualize this is that the body is a factory and the bacteria are the workers. Each enterotype is a group of workers with a particular set of skills and personalized nutrition means giving the workers the tasks that they are best suited to perform. A study found that individuals wanting to lose weight with the P-type microbiome who were treated with a high fiber and whole grain diet lost more body fat than those with the B-type microbiome, showing that the metabolic response to food might be different based on one's enterotype. If you want to lose weight, it might be worth finding out what type of microorganisms are living in your gut first before following general diet advice. This shows how matching your food choices to your enterotype provides another way to personalize nutrition. So let's recap. There are lots of different factors to consider when creating a personalized nutrition plan. In this podcast episode, we covered some of them, including physical activity levels, nutrient deficiencies, epigenomic variation, and gut microbiome enterotypes. Right, and this isn't even all of them. Because of the complexity of the relationship between diet and health, we are not saying that certain diets certainly cause good or bad health. Rather, we have discussed the applications and limitations of personalized nutrition. Given the type of breakfast that Michael Phelps eats, he probably does not consider all of these factors we talked about today in his diet. However, he did have to take into account the high level of calories he burns when training and therefore eats a calorie-dense diet. And he has won 28 Olympic medals, so he's doing just fine. But maybe he would have won even more if he knew the other factors that can influence diet. (laughs) Exactly. Thanks for tuning in. Once again, I'm Danielle DeFranco. And I'm Lauren Park. I'm Olympic champion Michael Phelps. And this has been Personalized Nutrition. Is it worth it? Tune in next time for more interesting discussions just like this one.